Hi, this is Jean Nathan. It is Crosstown Conversations. And um, we, as always, have some very interesting and informative guests. Um, so I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, some of them are fun and some of them have just really important information to share. We've done about, I don't know, close to 3,000 interviews now over the years. And I think um, people tend to appreciate the, the information they're getting from us. So here goes for today. Abraham Felix, you are a filmmaker based here in New Orleans. And um, I want to know, first of all, um, just a little bit about you and, and are you from here? And, you know, where does your mama live? The usual, where did you go to high school? I'm kidding. Um, and um, how did you develop into being a filmmaker? And uh, you just won the prize. Um, so I want to know about the film that you just made and were able to win a prize for, and then we'll continue from there. So sure. give me that background please cool yeah it's uh i'm, I'm trying to keep a, a long story short um i'm originally from uh, baton rouge louisiana um i was born in lafayette and moved to uh, baton rouge with our family at a young age and uh from there um you know really had an interest in uh theater in writing um in you know stagecraft and sort of learning you know, the ins and outs of theatrical production and uh, in college, um, just, you know, kind of not really knowing exactly what I was going to be interested in or what I wanted to kind of have as my career path. Um, I ended up in broadcast journalism, um, which for me was a place that I could, you know, sort of play around with video cameras and editing software and that sort of thing. And that's where I think uh, my, my focus and my passion for filmmaking sort of um, sort of met my, uh, uh, you know, just love of film in general from a young age. And, you know, it was around uh, 2010 that I, uh, you know, kind of got into the independent filmmaking world and have just been in and learning ever since. So it's been, uh, so this year makes 10 years in the filmmaking industry for me and in the independent side of things. I haven't really worked in the uh, TV or like major motion picture world, but you know, specifically in the, the indie world. I live in New Orleans now, uh, moved here two years ago. And, uh, you know, up until COVID, <laughs> um, you know, things were, things are going pretty well. And that's, I'd say they're still going, uh, you know, still going as well as they, they could be. And then as far as this film, this film um, is called Change. It stars Jaron Mitchell and Jamie Newman, who are also really amazing local actors uh, who folks may recognize from Lovecraft Country and Queen Sugar. Um, and that film is sort of based around uh, a blocked artists um, quarantine period at the beginning of the COVID lockdown. Uh, so this would have been a period from about March to April um, where he is, you know, sort of lost and looking for, uh, looking for some signs of hope and, you know, the story sort of unfolds. Um, and at the end, he gets a, a bit of a little a bit of a ray of hope in all of the, you know, the darkness that COVID brings. So um, yeah, we were fortunate to win the uh, the jury award for Louisiana Shorts, uh, which is, uh, I believe the top prize in that category. And uh, yeah, I actually believe as of right now, um, the film is still playing in the New Orleans Film Festival for the next few days. So uh, total um, 10 seconds. Uh, uh, when you develop the concept for the film, um, where did that come from? 
your own experience um others yeah it it did it came from uh it came from my experience um i uh i, I actually live in the french quarter and um, i never before met my downstairs neighbor but at the beginning of quarantine everything is locked down the streets are all quiet and um at at a certain point one day early on in quarantine i just started hearing some music coming from i couldn't kind of tell where it was coming from the floor beneath me uh from my uh from my downstairs neighbor who plays the trombone um and uh you know at the beginning um it was uh, it was it was a nice welcome you know sort of uh, sort of vibe just listening to some live music because I hadn't heard live music in in a, in a minute and uh, and then he kept playing the same song he was practicing I think the same song on trombone over and over and over and over and over for weeks uh, and so and it would it'd be sporadically uh, playing and um, at a certain point it kind of got annoying. <laughs> And um, I, I thought about how funny it would be to uh, to go down and confront a neighbor over something as trivial as music in the middle of uh, in the middle of a pandemic, you know. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where the that's kind of where the idea came from and just kind of, you know, continue to track it further and uh, and, and develop it further and kind of see where it went. So. Where did it go? Hmm? Where did it go? Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, well, I don't want to give away the ending of the story, but I'll say the film itself went to the New Orleans Film Festival and, you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, we're getting some good, uh, you know, some good reviews and, and, and positive comments. So I'll leave so it without there. telling, without telling me the, uh, close, so to speak, but, uh, give me a little bit of the theme besides the m music in the middle of a pandemic. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah I, I'd say the film really is about um, is about human connection in the midst of an isolating, you know, anxious period and about the power of human connection and why that's, you know, why that's so important. Um, I think music is uh, is a great connector that I think we have a lot of in this city um, and and um, without having a lot of live events and things like that during the pandemic, without having concerts, without having, you know, shows. Um, I think there's a lot of folks who have you know, have put their art on a shelf and who have you know stopped playing um, stopped playing music or um, or just closing themselves off instead of reaching out or, or or having music and having art as a way to 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 reach out. I just think it's such a this is just such a turbulent time. I think for everyone, um, artists included, and um, yeah, so that's that's what the film is sort of exploring is the, you know, on the one hand, isolation, on the one hand, connection. So it, the, the film sort of tracks with his journey of isolation to a realization of connection to other people. Fantastic. And um, I think that uh, this whole COVID um, episode has been something almost for some people, at least, like for some, it's been real drudgery and exhaustion. I mean, when we speak of the front line, that's having to deal with people in the hospitals. And right now that's looking like just a phenomenal catastrophe everywhere. But um, for others, um, it, it has been kind of a vacuum. For others, it's been more like a sabbatical where they can actually pause their normal 
busy schedules and really think about what they're doing and think about their lives and think about their work and come out of it in a different place. And then for organizations, they've had to really think about, okay, we can't have live performances, live exhibitions and so on, especially in the cultural world, of course, I'm speaking of. Um, and they've had to really, um, they've had to, the, you know, the, the operative word of the moment is pivot and figure out how to survive or not. I mean, there's been a lot of non-survival as well as survival and as well as pivoting. So um, what's your broader perspective beyond um, your, that experience that you're speaking of, you know, the either being connected or not, um, what's your wider perspective of the, um, the universe that you're dealing with both in a broader context, but also in the film industry, in the city and um, creative work? So from those different perspectives, how would you say, where, where are you coming out in your, in your view of it and not only your own experience, but that of others? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a gigantic question. <laughs> um, I think, uh, you know, it, it, this is, first of all, like this is a tragic time. I think even in the film, we wanted to sort of respect uh, the fact that there are, there just are record numbers of Americans, you know, passing away. Um, there's, there's so much tragedy uh, that is, that, that's sort of happening around us that the only way that we can, um, you know, uh, uh, pr try to protect fellow American citizens, our, our friends, our, our, our neighbors, our family is by isolating ourselves away from them. I think that's such a, um, it, in reality, I think it's, it's just such a violent way to um, to try to survive to, and I think there are a lot of folks, um, you know, myself included at times, uh, it, you get, you get, you get worn down by the lack of human contact. I think, um, humans, um, I think we all are relational beings and, um, to be, to be stripped of our humanity in some senses is, uh, is an incredibly difficult thing to endure. Um, and, and we have to do it to save lives. So it's, it's a, it's a challenge. And I think it's been a, it's been a challenge for me at times. It's been a challenge for a lot of artists, friends of mine. It's been a challenge for our family, uh, you know, not being able to, to, to hug my mom, not being able to hug my dad. It's like, that's a, that's an incredible, uh, it's an incredible challenge. Um, you know, everyone in the world is in a few months, everyone in the world is going to have um, had a birthday during a pandemic, you know, that's it, to, for us to be experiencing, um, a species wide, uh, mass traumatic event like this is a lot. And so I've been able to sort of, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a, I will say I've, uh, I'm a fairly introverted, uh, being myself, uh, and, um, you know, kind of tend to keep my circle, uh, my circle of friends and, and family small and, um, you know, I feel like I've been fortunate to uh, be on a couple of uh, projects that have, you know, helped me not have to deal so much with the economic concerns, but, uh, you know, just um, dealing with the, the, the mental and psychological concerns. And so because I feel like I've been fortunate for the first time and actually in my 10 year career to not really have to be, uh, you know, working my tail off to try to Absolutely. make ends meet. Um, I feel very fortunate to, to be um, uh, and, and responsible in a way to being that, uh, you know, a source of um, 
of uh, of peace and just of humanity for my friends, my family. Um, you know, so I've been I've really spent a lot of my time, um, you know, developing myself um, and trying to keep myself healthy so that I can be able to love on you know other people uh, who are around me. And um, you know, I'd say it's. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I can't, I, I can't lie, like, I would really rather be out filming, you know, a lot more often than I am. But, um, you know, that's not, that's not the way things are going this year. So for me, it's just, it's been a balance of a lot of the things that you mentioned, um, you know, not working, working a little bit of a sabbatical, you know, taking care of other people, sometimes you're just brain dead, you know, I mean, the election was huge. Uh, so it's just, it's been a balancing act, I think, of, of all those factors. So um, how, how do you feel um, you are going to come out of this? How do you see the trend in your development? How do you see that for others? And, um, and how do you see it for our city and your industry? Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a, yeah, you're, you're asking big questions. Um, I think for myself, uh, it, it, it's so hard to predict. I think none of us, not a single one of us knows, uh, knows the future. It's, it's such a difficult proposition to try to project out into the future, especially with, you know, freelance artists like myself, it's, it's always very difficult to, um, you know, to project or know where the next job is going to come from, where the next opportunity is going to come from. It's, it's difficult to, it's difficult to know. Um, for myself, you know, I know that I've got, uh, you know, I have, I have dreams of being, a you know, a narrative feature filmmaker and, um, a lot of my close friends uh, have, you know, similar dreams. And so for us, it's a matter of, just trying to figure out what we can do to survive and to still actually be able to call ourselves filmmakers at the end of this, you know? Um, I think for um, for some of my musician friends, they're having to get real jobs, you know? Um, like actual nine to five type jobs so that they can hopefully at some, so they, they can survive the moment, but then hopefully at some point um, get back into what they're passionate about and try to make a living through what they're passionate about. You know, so much of the, um, so much of the, uh, the the struggle of the artist is just trying to find a way to survive to keep making art, <laughs> and um, you know, I have a lot of hope that you know myself, my film community, uh, the artist community in New Orleans, we're all here, we're all passionate. I think it's just a matter of when it's safe to, uh, you know, to reconnect. Filmmaking is such a collaborative medium; you have to be working with other people often in very you know tight spaces that. A pandemic sort of makes difficult, and so I know that uh, for a, a lot of us, it's it's uh, it's the psychological battle uh, as well as the capitalistic battle that we're all having to sort of navigate and endure in our own individual ways. And then, as far as you know, the city of New Orleans is concerned, um, you know, it, this is still one of the greatest cities in the world. Um, we we've got, like I said, we have such a passionate artist community here. Um, you know, organizations like uh, like Cano. Um, to all of the artist galleries, to just the individual artists who live in and make up the city that everyone from the world comes to enjoy. Um, I know we're all still here. We're all just trying to hang on. And so I think the, um, there's, there's economic concerns that are just, uh, and economic factors that are just out of everyone's control uh, until we can sort of get the, the, the city back to some semblance of normalcy. Um, I do, I do hope that this is a time that the artists in New Orleans and, you know, nationwide are looking at, um, looking at the current moment and trying to, 
really assess if the way that things were before the pandemic is the way that we would like for things to get back to, or if there's a better way for us to uh, to, to to do our art um, and to uh, and to support each other. I think one of the truths of this time is that we're all in this together. Um, <laughs> we can't seem to, you know, uh, it, it's difficult to trust the government to be working for the people uh, in these moments. And so uh, I know that we're all we got. And um, so long as, you know, we keep, um, we keep ourselves, you know, uh, hopeful and, and, and buoyed um, and, uh, and supported, then I think, uh, you know, regardless of what the future looks like, we will be the ones shaping the future, so. Well, that's actually, um, so, you know, a, a lot of people that I've interviewed, because I mainly have been interviewing people in the cultural fields, do feel that um, culture is uh, the a key thread to the future, that um, it, it's going to be, uh, in a sense, the, the keystone to how things develop. Um, if, if, if that's the case, Again, um, it, this is just kind of a drill down on the same question. How do, how do you see that developing in New Orleans? I have to tell you, you know, I've been here for a while. I'm not from here originally, but I've been here since 72. And in the um, early 80s, I think I have my time frame right, either the early or, or later 80s, I was involved with um, helping to get the public channels up on Cox. And um, there was some funding available and uh, it could either have gone to, um, to nonprofits or I fought for it to go to independent film producers, film and video producers, because I felt that um, there was at the time no money and there was for um, making films and, and making videos, independent work. Um, and we didn't even have, of course, the film industry that has come to us. Hopefully it comes back after COVID, who knows? Again, that's a, a big question. And I, I actually like you to address that as well. But um, there was nothing, there was nothing here. I remember I was trying to be an independent film producer and I couldn't get money for a film about Aaron Neville and Irma Thomas, <laughs> to give you an example. Um, so, Things have changed. They've gotten a whole lot better. I feel like there's a, a, a real uh, population of independent producers now. And so I want you to tell me more about that because I don't know enough as to how many and who's doing what and are you being able to raise the capital because that was always the issue. And um, uh, will you stay? Will some go? What's the basis of a decision about staying or going? I heard you say you love New Orleans. Well, everybody does. That isn't the bottom line in terms of you know being able to develop, especially if you have a creative um, capacity. Mm. Um, let me see how I want to approach this. I think that um, yeah, things have things have definitely changed. Uh, you know, just in the last in the last fifteen years, as far as the filmmaking community in Louisiana, it's changed in five years. Um, with the democratization of uh, of gear, with the fact that you know, with an iPhone, everybody's got a camera um, that's you know relatively uh, inexpensive um, to you know to be making content, to be making films, to be creating with, to be creative with. 
Um, I think there are a lot of barriers and a lot of uh, uh, that have fallen in a lot of gatekeeping that can't be done in the same way. Um, when everybody has access to their own microphone, it's it's impossible to uh, you know to 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 stop people from being heard. And so I think um, film as a medium is cheaper, but also because film as a medium is cheaper, there's a bedrock of a lot more people who are uh, exploring the medium. So I can say for, you know, just in my own personal experience, there's a lot of uh, filmmakers here. Um, and thankfully, you know, with organizations like the New Orleans Film Society, uh, with, you know, Novak, um, there, there are there are a lot of organizations here that you know take support from the community, take federal support, take local support, and those are the those are the um, you know sort of the plugs to a lot of the independent filmmakers here uh, being able to support and sustain their careers here. Um, you know, thankfully, New Orleans isn't a an LA and Atlanta, New York. Uh, you know, it's it, sure there's a bevy of opportunity and a bevy of uh, you know, just a, a ton of people that you can interact with and further your career very quickly. But it's just, frankly, it's cheaper to live in New Orleans. Um, and it's, it, it's, uh, it makes that easier. It's, it's an easier barrier to, to sort of, uh, to climb. Um, it's both cheaper to live in the city, but also because you're not up against these behemoth film organizations and studios and the whole industry. Um, theoretically, there's a downside to that, of course. I mean, it, it's harder to find the promotional support, the studio support, et cetera, that you need. But I always say that in New Orleans, if you are entrepreneurial, and that's the key word, if you are able to kind of just bootstrap your own um, uh, effort, whether it's creative or otherwise, um, this is a good place to do it because Absolutely. Uh, there isn't as much sort of blocking kind of competition as opposed to, um, uh, you know, cohort or um, uh, uh, type of uh, competition where you're actually, you're competing, but you're also collaborating. So you can kind of do things, in, even when we formed the Creative Alliance of New Orleans and my husband and I um, created the Contemporary Arts Center. I don't know if I've been able to create a Contemporary Arts Center in New York where I came from. There were, there were already a few, you know, but yeah. um, so there's that. Um, that is a kind of backhanded opportunity, but it has its downside also. So when, when again, when the decision comes to, to stay or leave, there are people who have left or are leaving and there are people who are staying. Tell me about that decision-making process. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, for me personally, moving moving to New Orleans from, from Baton Rouge was, uh, you know, just had a lot to do with what you just mentioned. Like there's, there's more, there's a lot more opportunity. There's a lot more filmmaking infrastructure. There are a lot more filmmakers in New Orleans than there are in Baton Rouge or anywhere else in the state of Louisiana. So, it was sort of a no-brainer for me to, you know, continue moving forward, continue uh, building with, uh, with with the local community, continue building with fellow Louisianians and, and, and Southerners. Um, so for me, New Orleans was uh, was was a no-brainer, um, especially considering the career path that I'm on. Um, I think you make a good point when you say that because of the 
because there's simply not the, you know, the competition, there's not the, you know, the grind of uh, economic concern that you find in some of these bigger cities. Um, it gives you a lot more opportunity to sort of shape your career in the manner that you would like to shape it. You have a lot more agency in that process. And, uh, you know, for me, that was, that was attractive. I didn't want to go to New York and work for a production company for, you know, five years to try to, you know, make connections and try to make films, you know, on the side with, uh, you know, with having a full-time job or something like that, trying to make ends meet. And, um, you know, I'd done that in Baton Rouge already, which is why I moved out here, you know? Um, and so I think there's a lot of, uh, I know that there's a lot of filmmakers here who are sort of making their own calculations. Uh, I can say that, you know, every one of my, you know, personally, my filmmaker friends who have moved to a bigger market in LA and New York, for every one of those, I know of uh, artists and filmmakers that have moved from Atlanta, from New York and from LA back home to New Orleans, Really, you know, mm -hmm. because, because of the economic, it's just expensive to live in those places. And also it's, I think it's really difficult to be isolated in cities um, that big, just from a psychological perspective, it's really hard to, uh, you know, to just be by yourself for a lot of people. Um, you know, I say, again, I'm, I've, I feel like I've been fortunate um, you know, during this time to firstly not have contracted COVID, but also uh, that I just, I'm, I'm an introverted sort of person. And I like, you know, uh, I like working alone. I like the, you know, following my own rhythms, listening to, you know, to myself, listening to my body and kind of figuring out what the day is going to look like. I prefer that. And I prefer, you know, the, uh, 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 the power that the city gives me. This is, you know, you said it in, in broader terms, but this is a city of hustlers. Like, quite frankly, like uh, if you if you want to make it in New Orleans, you can make it in New Orleans. It's just a matter of how hard, you know, how hard you're willing to work, uh, you know, how lucky you're able to get as far as opportunity and, you know, how well you're able to, you know, sort of connect to the community of other folks who, you know, who do what you do or do something adjacent that, you know, you, we can all support each other. So I think it's really just a, a matter of, you know, finding your people, um, when I was first kind of starting out freelance, I had a really good, uh, had a really good, you know, mentor friend who told me that the most important thing you can do, is, you know, wherever you go is find your tribe, find your people, especially in the filmmaking game. It's such a collaborative um, medium that you have to be connected to other people in order to move your career forward. And also it's, it's a healthier way to live anyway. You know, even as an introvert, I can say, you know, people are, uh, people are good. If you find the right people, you know, good things can happen. Uh, how would you calculate if you were to do it, or, or maybe you've heard the numbers, uh, approximately how many people would you say are kind of in the same, on the same track as you in the city that are independent filmmakers? And maybe it sounds like you have some other skills. I, I understand that you write as well. Um, so um, uh, how, how you know, can you give me any sense of numbers? And also let's go back to that question of stay or leave. And for those who have left and not come back, tell me about um, why they left and what's happened to them since. You know, obviously it's anecdotal, that's not statistical, but I'm just curious to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, um, so as far as the, as far as the numerical, uh, you know, I, that I, I can't, speak to you know in maybe the same way that uh you know Clint Bowie or Fallon could 
Um, I, I don't know that there's, um, I mean, I don't need, I don't even know that the New Orleans Film Commission could, uh, could accurately answer that because there's, you know, there's the film industry proper, which is here and, you know, is, is a machine that's still going. I don't think there's, you know, the same exact number of TV shows being produced here uh, as pre-pandemic, but I know there are still a lot, um, you know, with, uh, with, with Queen Sugar, with Your Honor, there's a lot of TV shows that are being filmed here that I, I have friends who are working on those, on those films. Um, as far as folks who are on the independent side, I'll say that, you know, it, there may be, there may be 20, probably fewer than 20, um, you know, folks who are on the, the, a similar writer, director, commercial director track that I'm on here. Um, it, this isn't a city that can sustain that many writer directors uh, simply because the capital is in New York and LA and Atlanta for the, you know, the track that, that I find myself on. It's, you know, and granted the industry is changing, especially during COVID things are, uh, things are becoming more um, uh, spaced out. You know, there's work to be there's work to be found in a lot of places, um, and I think there's a lot of production companies, there's a lot of agencies who are looking out and um, you know finding different ways to direct their uh, direct funding and to support filmmakers. You know, who are outside of the markets they work in. So um, Wait, that's all I'm, anecdotal. I'm, let me just understand what you're saying. Are you saying when you say um, more spaced out, a lot of places? Uh, companies and agencies uh, around looking for different um, sources. Are, are you saying that the that the industry is spreading out geographically in in uh, where it works? So uh, do you see more filmmaking, say, I don't know, in Lafayette or um, uh, Bro Bridge or um, Pass Christian or something uh, rather than uh, centered in a particular uh, city? Which is well, also, there's a question of whether the population movement is also mimicking that in terms of looking for less dense places to live. Yeah, so I, uh, to answer that, I'll say, again, with the proliferation of, you know, recording devices, yeah, there's filmmakers, there's filmmakers everywhere. But what I was really talking about is it's really easy for a production company in New York to look out and say, hey, we'd like to film this thing. Instead of us flying a crew down from New York, why don't we connect with local filmmakers uh, in New Orleans right. and find talented people who we can trust in New Orleans to just execute this in New Orleans for us? Well, that's, a, that's an evolution that we were all hoping to see happen. I mean, that's what the Film Commission and the uh, Film Society and everybody has been hoping that they, we would start building up our own talent base so that companies would use us. I mean, that was a lot of the thinking behind many of the, even the government programs as limited as they are, that was an objective. So you're saying that's happening? That does happen. It is not, you know, it, I, I don't think it's enough to sustain, uh, you know, the same numbers of filmmakers that are in these larger cities. There's not enough of that, but that does, that does happen. You know, I get, um, I, I'm pitching on jobs that are outside this market. It, it does happen. Uh, but you know, it's it's not enough to to really change the change the, the the paradigm here, so to speak. Not yet. Hopefully, we can get there. But I think you know, COVID has been a, a really big disruptor, as well as an opportunity for people to sort of think about how to do things differently. So it's a you know a gift and a curse, I guess. Let's look ten years out. What does the filmmaking 
and let's just say the, the creative uh, industry sector of the city in general look like 10 years from now? Ooh. I, look, <laughs> I don't. I, uh, I I have no idea if I can. Uh, well, what's one possible know. scenario? Let, let's let's put it that way. It could go this way. It could go that way. But what's your instinct? What keeps you here? Well, it, what keeps me here is the you know the possibility that the New Orleans film community uh, can continue to grow tighter and stronger and really take a um, really start to, to, to take ownership of the region um, as much as we can. Um, I would really love for New Orleans to become a city that we talk about when we say, you know, filmmaking hubs in LA, New York, Atlanta, Chicago. I would really love for New Orleans to be in that number and for New Orleans to have a filmmaking identity. Um, you know, there are so many productions that come here from LA, that come here from New York, uh, you know, TV shows, movies, Netflix, movies, et cetera. There's so many productions that come here because of tax incentives. I would really love if in 10 years we're able to look out and say that, you know, the experience that people were getting on those bigger sets uh, translated to those folks, hopefully, you know, finding a way to put their hands on um, put their hands on the plow of making New Orleans a real film city to the point that, you know, we're, we're, there's a, just a number of, you know, uh, award-winning, you know, Oscar-winning filmmakers that come from New Orleans, who live in New Orleans, who want to live in New Orleans, who want to make movies uh, that are set in the South. You know, that, that's, I think that's what I would, I, I would hope would happen. That would be the dream because, you know, the South is a, is a region that nationally uh, and even internationally sort of gets written off as a, you know, a bunch of uh, a bunch of dumb rednecks and that sort of thing. And I think that that's not who we are. Um, you know, we're we're we contain volumes. You know, just as a people. Um, and there are a lot of people who haven't had a voice in the discussion for a very long time. That you know, I, I would hope that we're able to you know sort of use these next few years to uh, you know to 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 create that voice to build a platform for ourselves and you know speak our truths. I, I want to pull out the lens for just a minute and, and talk about the divide, the big divide in the country right now between um, not just black and white, but um, also rich and poor uh, and, and middle class and, and rich and poor for that matter. All, all three categories are challenged in different ways. And um, I, I feel strongly that a lot of people who vote for Trump and I had this discussion with somebody recently where I said, I thought that there, at least in part, there was a phenomenal sense of abandonment for many white working people who were in fact working in factories, had retail jobs, all those jobs are getting automated. Uh, and the person said back to me, no, it's just race. They're just racists. And I said, I think, uh, yes, a lot of them are racist, but racism also comes from economic fear, I believe, um, fear that some somebody else is going to get the work that uh, and the opportunities that that you want. Um, how do you feel about that? That that divide. And I also feel like you know, even let's say not even, but the Democrats um, have failed in their communications somehow. That a party that represents primarily the higher end business community has been able to persuade people at the bottom of the food chain. 
um, that that party is for them is phenomenal. How did they do that? That was just an amazing trick and um, a, a bamboozle as Spike Lee might say. And on the other hand, um, there's this, I have the sense that um, uh, yes, again, there is racism, but um, I think that the Democrats have failed to figure out how to communicate with the people that they used to represent. <sighs> yeah, that's a big question. Um, I think that uh, on a, you know on the philosophical level, it's easier to convince people to succumb to their fears, uh, just humans in general. I think it's easier to convince folks to succumb to their fears than it is to get them to be courageous and accept people who are different from them initially. I think it's a lot easier to vilify than it is to bring people together. And I think that's the reason that there's been a lot of right-wing success in politics. Uh, you know, that's, that's one reason, as well as, you know, the, 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 the money in politics, the you know, dark money in politics, as well as you know, racism and economic concerns. I think it's, uh, this is a, a prismatic problem that comes from uh, you know, America starting as uh, you know, a land of you know, genocide, slavery, and post like we're, we're living in a post-colonial you know, society that has never quite lived up to the creed that it put on paper. And I think that there are a lot of issues that stem from uh, from that. It, it, it's it's such a um, it's such a difficult prospect for a lot of people to imagine circumstances and imagine the world that's different from the way from the one they were given and the one they learned when they were growing up. And that's you know that's regardless of you know uh, uh, skin color, ethnicity, um, economic you know concerns. You know what you're taught. You know what you're confronted with. You know what you experience. And um, that's, I think that's everyone. I think that's universal. And I think it's incumbent on artists um, to, to really look out and project out into the future as to, and, and imagine like what the world can be and to continue doing that work. I think it's an evolving process. I know there's been a lot of amazing artists, uh, you know, writers before myself, um, and there will be a lot more, you know, continuing, you know, continuing on. Um, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a prismatic issue that I think um, artists can be at the forefront of, quite frankly, uh, just with imagining a different future. People can't be something that they can't see. And that sometimes they can, they can see it, but they're still afraid, you know, they're still afraid of making changes in order to, to do things differently because, you know, so many folks still operate in this as, as though reality is a zero sum game. Um, it's, you know, the, the, the issue of the day, I don't know when this interview is going out, but like the issue of the day right now is, you know, um, folks clutching their pearls at the prospect that Joe Biden might wipe out $50,000 of uh, student loan debt from folks, uh, you know, from folks who are who are still having to pay off such gigantic sums of money, and there's a lot of folks who look at that and say, "Well, I didn't go to college and rack up debt, so where's where's my piece of the pie? That fifty thousand dollar deduction, you know, that fifty thousand dollars of of loan forgiveness isn't helping me out, so why should it help this person out?" And I think that's such a it's such a narrow way of looking at reality. It's not a zero sum game. In fact, if you wipe out, you know, wipe out everyone's debt, it's, you know, it stimulates the economy and lifts everybody up. 
And, you know, it's, and, there, and, and I think that there are a lot of facets of reality and a lot of facets of, you know, our society and politics that look that way. If you give, uh, if black people have equal rights and, uh, you know, and, and are treated justly under the law in America, uh, that does not in any way infringe on the rights of anyone else. It just creates a more equitable society for everyone else. And, I, you know, I, from doing documentary work, from talking to, you know, uh, uh, black folks who lived through the civil rights era, from talking to white folks who lived through the civil rights era, I know that a lot of the concerns about progress are that, you know, if the if 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 black folks get the you know the right um, uh, uh, get get agency and get equity in the society, then they're going to turn around and you know treat white people the way that black people have been treated for you know generations. And I you know that's an irrational fear that's being stoked uh, you know by a lot of folks who, who who quite frankly profit from that mindset and, and profit from a continuance of that mindset. And so I think it's incumbent upon us as a society to really look out and always be questioning who is benefiting from the decision that I'm making. Where is this idea coming from? Why, why is this a thing that I want? Is it actually helping me? Is it helping my family? Um, and quite frankly, Often it's not, you know, and I think it's a it's a matter of, you know, our our population becoming more educated and artists sort of doing the work to help people imagine uh, a better future. Because we, we're not going to create it if we can't see it. That's something about human psychology that just doesn't work that way. But, uh, you know, racism is about power. You know, these uh, uh, the, the structures, the powers of principalities that we live with, those are, those are about power. Those are about the zero sum game of keeping people down so that you can feel like you're above them. And uh, this, is, this is why, you know, something like reverse racism is, is a myth <laughs> uh, because um, it, it's, uh, raci racism is about power and you know historically speaking indigenous people black people have not had power <laughs> uh you know in, in the american racist uh you know racial caste system that we have here um and so any any efforts to overturn that power structure is not reverse racism it's it's revolutionary as far as i'm concerned i i knew to ask you these questions because you're obviously a very thoughtful person and um have uh a um deep and broad perspective and i have very much appreciated this conversation um and uh, i look forward to communicating with you in the future and hope that um you will um make of this city and yourself what you really want it and you to be thank you i appreciate the time Zaf uh, Yuru is with the Film Society organization. He's director of marketing. And um, he kind of knows exactly how this whole new way of doing a film festival works. And um, I, I actually love the idea. I can't tell you that um, I have figured out exactly how to do it. So that's kind of why I want to do this with you because I want to be able to, I'm a bit um, sort of film junkie, but don't get to watch a lot. So having it online is, is a treat, but I just want you to tell us exactly how this is working. And if somebody wants to see the films, how do they do it? How do they find out what the films are, when they're running, where they're running? Uh, just nuts and bolts, just let's make it easy for folks who are filmies like me, 
um, film junkies can can get on and see it. So how does it work? Yeah, for sure, Jean. Thank you so much for having us, first of all. And I may, it's my, like, really my pleasure to tell everyone because this is the question that we get get the most this year. How does it work? How does the streaming platform, platform work? Which devices can I access? So there are multitude of options. Um, the streaming platform works just as like other platforms that we are all used to, kind of like Netflix, Hulu. It works in a computer browser window. You go to neworleansfilmsociety.org slash virtual. So that's our address. That's neworleansfilmsociety.org slash virtual. That's a perfect, uh, that's, that's a perfect uh, a way yeah. to go. You can also, you, you can also go to... Yeah, <laughs> you can also go to neworleansfilmfestival.org and then get redirected to the virtual site too. Uh, so there, you know, um, as long as you launch on our website, you will find a way into our virtual cinema. That's for sure. Um, so you can you you can watch the films. You can go to the streaming platform to our to to your computer. Uh, you will see just like a Netflix uh, layout kind of rows of different films categorized uh, categorized per which category they're in. So you will see, for instance, the award-winning films all, uh, all pulled under one category so that you can browse through all the award-winning films of this year's festival. Uh, our awards show was last Saturday and uh, we have, as you know, like com competition sections we have. Uh, a narrative features competition, a documentary features competition, a Louisiana features competition, and then we have six more uh, competitions for short film categories. So if, if anyone wants to watch uh, films that have recently won awards at the New Orleans Film Festival, um, it's very easily accessible. Um, and as you scroll down, you'll see other categories, the ones that I just mentioned. Um, so, if you don't want to watch it on your laptop or on a computer screen, you can always uh, connect your laptop to your smart TV used, using an HDMI cable. That's one way to go around it. Another way is if you have a smart TV and you're using a Roku TV app or an Apple TV app, uh, you, can go, you can download the Eventive app in those, uh, Roku or Apple TV, and then you will see the New Orleans Film Festival channel on your TV screen. And from then on, uh, you go into in our channel and then you will see the same, uh, same platform that you access through the browser. So uh, this might, I don't know if, if these are, uh, if you're like, if, it, if this is going well or if I should like simplify it, but also we have step-by-step -step uh, instructions on how to access uh, the Eventive app on Apple TV or Roku TV, uh, for instance, or have to, how to access a streaming platform and in different devices. Tell the last one again, because I'm not Apple, for example, I'm uh, um, Android. <laughs> oh yeah, so if you're, um, if, if you want to watch it on your phone, you can still go to the same address. But the Apple TV that I mentioned is for the smart televisions. Uh, so there's an Apple TV, if you have an Apple TV device, um, then you can go to the Eventive app on the Apple TV device on your smart TV. Okay. Um, and on our website, again, the New Orleans Film Festival, sorry, neworleansfilmfestival.org, there's an How to Fest page. Um, and on that How to Fest page, we have step-by-step -step instructions on how to set your uh, New Orleans Film Festival streaming channel on your smart TV, on your computer, on your mobile device or tablet. 
Um, so if anyone has any trouble connecting or... Calls? <laughs> I'm sorry? <laughs> after you do house calls? <laughs> house calls. Yeah, I, I mean, do, you... do you think I can do that? <laughs> no, for sure. So you can actually call us at 504 309 6633. Uh, that's again, 504-309-6633. That's our office number. And we uh, accept calls during regular office hours. That's 11 a.m. till 6 p.m. every day. Um, and you can reach us at that number if you want us to help you through any oh, sort of co connection. That yeah, you can also so email us. Considerate of y'all, really. That is very, that's <laughs> a very cool thing. And you can actually no, talk to a human being and not a robot, right? You can talk to a human being, not a robot, and we will uh, help you uh, as best as we can. This system is also new to us. We just, um, we've been using it for the past two months. As you know, like, this is also the first time that we're ever doing an online film festival. Uh, so we're also learning as we go. Um, but definitely we're able to, we, we are able to give customer service through the phone, through email info at neworleansfilmsociety.org, or we also have a chat box on our website. So if you go to neworleansfilmfestival.org, you will see a contact us chat box button on the uh, right bottom side. And then you can chat with us in real time. Again, well, during office hours. you've been working 30 hours straight, you still have your stuff together. <laughs> roll right through all of that so my question would be also is all of that that you just described to me there there is one page one place where all of that can be found and that would be neworleansfilmfestival.org correct yes okay so that's the key one i think i can stick with that okay yeah that's um, that's a great let me one ask you, uh, two questions how's it going you know how do you feel the experience is for you all you're trying to survive of course in the time of covid this is not easy for anybody um and secondly if you don't mind me asking to um, what are some of your favorites let's say or um others favorites that are running online that you want to aim people at yeah sure thing so first of all, it's going really well. We have four more days left. The festival ends this Sunday. Uh, the first 10 days, uh, we had both outdoor screenings. As you know, I don't know if you had a chance to join any of them. Uh, we had open air cinemas running for 10 days at Lafi on Lafitte Greenway and, and Broadside, the new outdoor venue of the Broad Theater in Mid-City. Those went really well. Uh, it was, I mean, it was very safe because we had a lot of space outdoors and like all seating, seating was like very spaced out and I think everyone felt really safe. Um, and in addition to that, it was really nice to see our members and everyone that we are so used to seeing every festival, just in person, even though we were all wearing masks and behind masks, it was just after seven months of not having any sort of physical in-person, uh, you know, events, that was really nice for our staff. Um, yeah, we, we have been working very hard for this. I really like from here again, I would like to thank all of our staff and board of directors, all of our volunteers who have been working day and night to make this happen uh, in the midst of everything that's going on um, this year. And when it comes to film recommendations, yeah, I always have a recommend for me particularly because I talked today uh, with your short films, um, uh, Abraham. Uh, and I, he just, wow, is he an interesting guy? And I'm just yeah. dying to see him. He was a great interview. And I was very uh, um, excited to see his film. Yeah, so his film is playing um, with the Louisiana Shorts One 
block so we we program short films together so this is the louisiana shorts one block that is called dressed it's actually playing with three other amazing films pillars sacred and regret um actually i'm sorry abraham had two films at the festival this year <laughs> so this is just one of his films uh that is playing in the louisiana shorts one and that's Vin by two um i would i mean if you're in if you're in Louisiana, if you're in New Orleans, I would definitely recommend checking out all the Louisiana Shorts blocks. There are four of them. They're all available on the streaming platform till the end of the festival, just like any other film on the platform. Um, some of like there's also Louisiana Features program, um, which also have really interesting films this year. Uh, we have a we have a documentary which also won the prize for that category for the Louisiana features of a category it's called to, Dec to decadence with love thanks for everything and it was shot during uh, the sudden decadence sudden decadence parade and sudden decadence, decadence celebrations last year in 2019 following two uh, beloved uh, local drag queens uh, level contraire and frankie um, so i bet you know, we all really miss <laughs> our New Orleans celebrations. And I, I have a feeling that everyone would really enjoy going back to 2019 Southern Decadence and right. getting wow. a little feeling of, you know, what it used to be. Um, other than that, we have yeah, nobody, nobody, I'm sorry. Yeah. So ask. let me, if you don't mind me asking, cause I'm a, a real sort of esoteric um, art film fan. Uh, so I like the really um, out there stuff. So is there anything that falls into that category that you're showing? Yeah, so some art house films. I mean, to be honest, most of our They're films fall in that category. As, right. the, as, as the New Orleans Film Festival focuses on independent film and in, like films by independent filmmakers, most of our films are, you know, films that don't really hit the movie theaters and do um, big theatrical re releases, even though that's not a thing anymore. Uh, but yeah, most of our films will, uh, you know, please you in a way that they are very uh, artistic and out of mainstream, I should say. Um, if... well, you know, I'm, I, I'm just about out of time because this is followed okay a rather long interview with Abraham about his films, which I was fascinated with. And, and um, I think that um, uh, people who are hearing you now have already heard that. And so I think with your um, very handy guidance, um, they will be able to really get in and enjoy both his films and all these other films yeah. that you're talking about. Um, and maybe we'll check in again after the festival's over and you give me yeah. a, a little bit of an update as to how it all went. And, um, you know, I know that New York did the same thing this year, if I'm not mistaken, um, and many other film festivals are doing it. So yeah. it's, it's kind of a new adventure. And quite frankly, for somebody who doesn't get out as much as I used to, and especially during COVID, um, this is a blessing. Um, yeah. Now if I can only find time to do it. Oh, by the way, it's recorded. So it, it, will it be available after the festival or not? So the films are not going to be available after the festival, but all the panels uh, that are running right now in the festival, and they're all free and open to public. All the panels are virtual. Everyone can join the panels, watch them for free. Most of them are live. We had a conversation, a live conversation with George Clooney yesterday on our virtual platform, hot. which was amazing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely recommend everyone to um, 
check check out as many films as they can until midnight on Sunday because the films are going to be gone afterwards. The panels, the conversations, all the other recorded events, we will upload them on our YouTube channel for people to revisit after the festival. Uh, one thing I want to add is definitely check out the panels. Those are free. And also our cinema reset programming. That's our virtual reality and 360 videos. Those are new media uh, pieces. All of that programming, uh, we have around 20 films in that program. They're all free and open to the public because um, I think that's really, you know, it's a really, really uh, cool program. And uh, I want more people to watch them. I really am out of time, but let me not uh, pass over one thing. So um, George Clooney's in town. He's not, <laughs> he's not in town. It was a Zoom interview. It was, oh, it was a virtual shucks. Zoom interview. But it was an exclusive in, uh, George like, conversation with George Clooney exclusively uh, for the New Orleans Film Festival. And it's still up on the platform for people to watch if they want to. Well, listen, congratulations on pivoting. Um, this is uh, the word of the moment. And uh, the organizations that are figuring out how to do it are the ones that I think have demonstrated their survivability and their commitment to doing what they're doing for us in New Orleans. And the New Orleans Film Festival has been for us in New Orleans from the day it was born. But more and more every year, um, you are providing an incredible experience for us. And we thank you for that. So I'll look for you after the festival. Thank you so much. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Some good information, maybe a little fun. And um, I wanted to let you know that we have a newsletter that goes out just in advance of the show. You can sign up for it simply by going to crosstownconvos at gmail.com. And um, it's got a lot more stuff in it, a lot more articles and images and uh, information on the guests who are on. So um, think about it, sign up if you'd like. I'm Jean Nathan for Crosstown Conversations on WBOK, what people are talking about.